Comrades and friends, hello. Uh, this is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. We are in the shadow of Rockford Tower, at least I am. Uh, and uh, this is uh, your State v. Kathy McGinnis update for the day. Uh, today is the 22nd of June, 2022. And it was day six of the trial. And, uh, you know, we hauled our ass back down to Dover today. Uh, Bill, how are you doing? Tom. Thomas Van Horn is a confident and sardonic seventh-year senior at Palo Alto College who spends his days driving around the green in his customized golf cart, doing things that involve budgets, administrative tasks, P-cards, and human resources. Upon learning that his stepson is still in school rather than report, uh, working for a venture capital firm alongside Peter Thiel, his stepfather, the former governor of Maryland, Martin O'Malley, severs all financial support. Van Horn seeks a new RFP for a PO or two on auditor.delaware.gov as he needed some money and fast. Van Van Horn is approached by the attorney general's office, offering to pay him $49,900 to throw them a blowout party to boost their popularity. Matt Biddle, a reporter for the school paper, writes a story crediting Van Horn as the host of the party. Van Horn, who normally refuses to do interviews, realizes that the article can be the cash cow that he needs to stay in politics and agrees to sit down with Matt for a follow-up. Auditor McGinnis arranges to sabotage Van Horn's party, which is odd because Kathy hosted his recent birthday party, cue Eyes Wide Shut music, (laughs) by canceling his Sirius XM subscription and telling everyone at school that Van Horn just loves to do laps around the green. Van Horn is ultimately arrested for committing PayPal fraud and ultimately faces expulsion. He prepares to leave Palo Alto College and return to Dover until his friend Frank Robinson inspires him to fight the charges. And that's all I've got so far for uh, my pitch to do National Lampoon's Van Horn. Wonderful, wonderful. We will hit on some of those details uh, when we when we get to uh, to our man, our man, we're, who we're calling now T uh, TVH. Uh, we're calling that we're calling him TVH, and, and you'll see why um, um, shortly. Uh, but the first uh, witness of the day was called uh, again by the state's uh, attorney uh, Maria Knoll, uh, Elizabeth. Vasilikos, Liz Vasilikos. Um, she is a. This will probably come as a lot as a surprise to many of you. Uh, she is a realtor uh, from Rehoboth. Uh, as the last name will probably represent, I think she's of of, of Greek descent, um, and she's an old friend of Kathy. She's the goddaughter. Uh, excuse me. The, she's the godmother of uh, both Sailor and Stormy. Uh, that was uh, something. Uh, so they were uh, very close. Uh, she went uh, to work in the Auditor of Accounts office from January 2019 uh, to March of 2020. She was appointed, appointed by Kathy. Um, she was there during the time of, of the Spiros chief of staff uh, reign. And, um, yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about a little about what she said? It wasn't uh, it wasn't necessarily earth shattering, but it was uh, some interesting testimony. Yeah, um, and it was only direct from the state this time. I my recollection is that uh, Kathy's team you know, opted not to uh, cross examine her. Yeah, Rob, like you said, um, you know, Liz um, kind of seemed like an odd fit with her professional background to um, become a deputy auditor. Um, she seemed a little unsteady on sort of describing what her day-to-day duties and tasks were. I mean, she, she explained them, but I didn't feel like she was fully confident in the answer she was giving. Um, she did not staff Kathy, that's for sure. No, she did not. Um, I guess, you know, in terms of the crimes applicable here, I think that, uh, that she's a witness for the state because uh, current chief of staff in the office, Elena Sewell, uh, used Liz Vasilikos. P card quite a bit. Um, I guess 
that 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 becomes relevant you know just p cards are relevant uh, behind every twist and turn of this saga um and rob you'll be glad to know that they're sponsored by jp morgan chase i did notice that at the beginning the the p the reason they call the, the state credit cards are called p cards I, I found out i guess today they're purchase cards so they're just jp morgan chase credit cards that the state of delaware uses as their you know as their company cards basically I could have sworn that it's it stood for Petrie, but that's just me. <laughs> Rob Petrie's name. We had a Rob Petrie name drop today during uh, during court. Same with Matt Biddle. We had a Matt Biddle and Rob Petrie name drop. That's right. All all of our faves. Um, so yeah, just to, to end with Liz, you know, I, I it's uh, I guess she was sort of a, a, a bit of a dynamic witness in the fact that you could tell that Kathy and her went way back. Um, I believe she was uh, named godmother of uh, the two McGinnis daughters maybe when they're older it sounded like maybe I, I it doesn't matter but but the fact that like they're not on speaking terms uh with Liz anymore you know makes this sort of awkward and uncomfortable and I think it's you know to give the jury just additional flavor on sort of how you know how there's just a lot of turnover in this office you know we, I, I I we were we were talking the other day just how many how many times has she had a chief of staff switch and uh you know in just a pretty short amount of time so um yeah i think that's about it you know just testifying to the oppressive toxic atmosphere um it sounded like sort of the potential abuse of the p card was the proverbial straw that broke rob you got anything else yeah only that um because there was no um eliminate applications uh mr wood did uh object many times to like the way that the conversation was going to have a few sidebars. And there was many, many lengthy sidebars today. Um, so the, the testimony was, was rather brief. Um, but I think it was important and you mentioned it. She, she did uh, say that they had a falling out and that the atmosphere in the office was oppressive and toxic was the words that she used, uh, which was, um, you know, Kind of a, a, what a lot of people have been have been saying. Uh, next witness. Oh, Rob, I just this is this is kind of just to keep uh, keep a, another thread going. But I thought it was really interesting. The end of Liz's um, questioning by Denny was cut off because he he asked the question something about you know did you ever deal with Kathy Kathy Davies grievances in the office? And Liz said something like, "Oh my God, so many." Um, but then basically there was an objection to that line of questioning. So we never really got to, to yeah, uh, keep, yeah, yeah, keep pulling yeah. the thread, but for, for the, for the KD fans out there, um, that's additional lore. Yes. hundred percent. Um, the, the next, uh, the next witness, the next state's witness was a Patricia Moore, Patty Moore. Uh, she, uh, is a, is a longtime H, uh, human resources veteran of the state. Uh, and from March 9th of 2020 to August of 2020, she was the HR lead in the Office of Auditor of Accounts. Um, I'll, I'll just hit on a couple of things, and then, uh, Bill, I'll get your, your thoughts. Uh, the, the first thing was there was a question from basically like day one of the trial as to why uh, Sailor was was noted in this LAP report, which is a list of of of, uh, of employees that a particular uh, agency can have. She was listed in with full time hours. Um, so, like in the system, somebody had set it up as if she was a full time employee. Now we don't know who did it. It could just be a clerical mistake. But there's an interesting wrinkle that comes back sort of later on about this sort of like about HR sort of relying upon the 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 system setup of these employees um one of the big issues that she discussed was the uh, the 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 I don't know what you call it because it's 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 in question the separation of previous employee uh, Lydia August um, there was this interesting exchange where as an HR lead she was asked by Kathy to sort of draft a, a letter that was going to release Lydia August of, of, of her job as a casual seasonal employee to basically say we don't have any hours that's a paraphrase 
Uh, but that that was never signed. It was sent. It was it was drafted by uh, Patty Moore, uh, but it was never, as far as we know, sent uh, to Lydia August. Now later on, a couple months later, when Lydia August leaves, and there's a uh, there's a filing with the Department of Labor t- so she can get unemployment. Patty Moore f- basically says she resigned, and was not sort of let go. And they ask her, you know, well, where, why did you sign this like this? And she said, well, I went into the system, and it said that she resigned. And I saw, you know, th- so technically, you know, I, I just marked it the way that it said. Um, and again, she's like look, just looking at the official sort of um, file on this. Um, so there was some question about, and again, this is sort of goes to sort of preferential treatment or maybe how Kathy was sort of hire, letting people go and, and, and bringing other people on. But again, I, I don't know. I mean, I will say that Patty Moore seemed like a, you know, a, a career HR person in the state, to- perfectly competent. Um, but, uh, but again, just trying to get to sort of how uh, personnel issues were managed within the agency. Um, Bill, what was your what were your take what was your take on this witness? Yeah, I think you explained uh, her testimony really well. Yeah, I, I wrote in the margin, state soldier. You know, she's been an employee for almost twenty years. And Rob, you know, I think we were joking. You know, if I had any, it like restored my faith in state government. It's like she just she knew all the she knew uh, all the rules, regs, and everything in between. Um, yeah, I you know this is I, I think that all, as as comp competent and confident in her testimony on direct, she did seem a bit rattled uh, on the cross-examination. So kind of just from like a technical standpoint, um, that's what I took away. Yeah, I mean, and again, the defense has been very good about impeaching these witnesses and basically just coming up with like emails they sent that mentioned or alluded to something maybe different than they testified to or some document that's sort of not exactly what they said. And again, whether the whether the jury really feels that sort of these technicalities are are effective in in, in impeaching these witnesses, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean that's what we saw here was like, well, you're saying this, but you know this this paperwork is a little bit different than what you're saying. You know, who's to say kind of thing, uh, and that's where we that's where we are um, with that. So let's get to the big witness today because everybody's sort of like dying for this. Um, from December 2019 to March of 2021, the chief of staff in the office was Mr. Thomas Van Horn. Uh, he uh, basically managed administrative functions. He was not, he didn't manage um, auditors, uh, but he managed basically administrators. Um, he, he basically had a background on just sort of like politics, um, but uh, again, he, he, he came on to to to, to manage uh, in Kathy's office. Uh, Bill, do you want to give your first thoughts before we get into this uh, sort of get into the, the the nuts and bolts of this, like the 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 detail? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we especially this week we we've, we've been seeing this name on the screen quite a bit. Thomas Van Horn. Thomas Van Horn. Uh, so I wasn't expecting him to be as young as he was. He's kind of like a uh, a young you know young thirties. He had a nice suit on, but you know he's walking in. He's walking up to the um, witness stand with like a plastic water bottle in his back pocket. I was like, "What? What's this guy doing here?" Um, so uh, yeah, he just seems like a driven, you know, kind of confident guy with skills that sort of pertain to politics. Now, sort of pertain to venture capital, uh, as I mentioned in the intro. Yeah, he had a he had a very interesting background. He's from California, and he worked for a venture capitalist. Uh, he came here, I think, for the auditor job, and now he works for like the state. He works. Uh, did does he work for the the state uh, Democratic Party in Virginia or the delegates, the state Democratic delegates in the Virginia House of Delegates or something? So yeah, he's he's a he's a he's a party guy. He's a he's party. A, yeah, guy. Oh, well, this is a neat detail. Apparently, he was. Deputy Finance Director for Brian Townsend for Congress, so maybe he was in Delaware earlier than we thought. But mm, yeah, I didn't. I did not know that detail, yeah. and it did not come up today. That's a good digging there. Of course. 
Um, yeah. So you want to run through sort of, sort of how, how did, how did it start on direct? Well, the first thing they wanted to cover was, uh, this idea that he had an inner office relationship affair with a woman in the office who was an auditor, uh, a woman, Rachel King. Um, the interesting part of that on direct, it came out that, um, Mr. Van Horn moved here from out of state. He was sort of new in the area, new to this sort of government. And so he asked Kathy, he was like, hey, I'd like to date um, this woman, uh, Rachel King. I'd like to take her, you know, maybe for drinks or coffee, like to take her to lunch and, you know, just meet somebody new and and, and do that. And and, uh, Kathy, Kathy, I got to do some courting here. I got a court. He he said he he potentially used the word court because again this this comes up later because it's like what did what did Kathy really think he meant by by saying I'm going to do this, um, so so yeah he he it, it it basically comes to light that he had a some sort of relationship um, with this woman for a period of time, uh, but then that it 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 ended um, in August of of 2020. So it seems like right around, um, right around the end of the summer in 2020. So COVID's still going on, uh, but you know they're still sort of working. Uh, it ends, and and he basically says that um, they end as friends. And even after this breakup, um, she had run for office in her district, uh, and he worked uh, on her campaign. And so it was still sort of an amicable sort of situation. So that's the, that's the first thing that happened. The next sort of big thing that happens is there's this issue with the last payment of the My Campaign Group contract. We've talked about this before. It's a little bit weird. It's hard to follow. But long story short, a payment is made uh, in, I believe, August or September uh, to my campaign group that they're owed, but it's short. It's short about $2,000. And in that period of time, we come to find out that there's a lot of personnel changes. Uh, people are leaving. Uh, nobody It's sort of, it seems a little bit chaotic there in the office. And my campaign group is not getting paid that last uh, bit of money that they're owed. So finally, um, comes to a head about a month later and Kathy's like we got to pay this um, and she sort of directs Thomas Van Horn to take his state P card out set up a PayPal account and pay directly uh, Christy Gross so she gets the, the $1,950 um, because she hasn't been paid hey Rob just to yes. jump in here did you find it weird how Christy Gross kind of testified to changing the amount owed from two thousand to nineteen fifty, and she's like, "I'll just eat the fifty dollars." Yeah, I mean, she did that because there, there's actually two, and and they're both in evidence. Um, there's the, the invoice for, uh, I guess September, the September invoice for August work was itemized. One of the items on it was. $1,950 for, like, COVID communications or COVID policy work. So when that invoice gets paid, the deficit, so, like, the, they pay everything but two grand of it. So now they're in arrears two grand to my campaign group. But because, I guess, because it took so long to process this because of all of these internal problems, they get a Christy Gross just agrees to send another invoice for not the two thousand she's owed, but the nineteen fifty that was on the previous invoice, because it was just like oh it's a line item, so I'll just as Bill said she literally said on the stand I'll eat the fifty dollars and just take it as a line item. I don't know why she would do that. I mean she said it was easier because it was already sort of like a a. Um, you know, something that she already had categorized and, and itemized on a previous invoice. But it still seemed a little bit strange. So, yeah, it was a little bit strange. Definitely. All right. 
Yeah. So so now um so now Thomas Van Horn is he's a little bit nervous. Uh, he's like, uh, I don't I'm not really cool doing this. I don't think it's the right thing to do. Uh, apparently, Kathy like stood behind him as he did it, like over his shoulder to watch him like do it. Um, so he he calls. Oh, and and Rob, how did he make that payment to Christy Gross? Oh, uh, through PayPal. Yeah, and, the, the, the P card. And with his uh, with his state issued P card. With, with his state issued P card through PayPal, he makes he makes a payment actually to Christy Gross personally to get the money. And so he understands that this is probably not kosher. So he calls uh, again the the civil uh, the the DAG the, the Deputy Attorney General who is in charge of basically giving the auditor legal advice, and she's like, "Well, that doesn't seem good. You should call. You should talk to our investigator, our great friend, uh, won the batting championship and the MVP in both leagues, uh, Frank Frank Robinson, great Oriole and Red." Um, and then they play the the phone conversation that the initial phone conversation that the AG's investigator Frank Robinson and Thomas Van Horn have. Uh, do you, <laughs> Bill, do you want to do you want to summarize this phone conversation? Well, let me get it started. So this is my first experience with Frank Robinson, and uh, it was obviously just hearing his voice on the recorded call. But I thought he did a really great job. Uh, but I do think it's funny that this is a guy who's been in the courtroom, and whenever I look over at him, he just has a laptop sitting open, but, but like on the type in your password screen. So it, it never seems to do anything, but it's just on, uh, waiting for a password. So uh, when the when the audio starts, you kind of hear a nervous Van Horn on the on the line, uh, and Frank's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you you from the auditor's office. Let me get a pen." And then what proceeds is like. 30 seconds of just white noise, kind of like the static that we hear in the courtroom. And I couldn't help but just imagine him like at a ball game trying to carry dinner for four, you know, like four hot dogs, four drinks, you know, and then I don't know. So uh, he finally gets Van Horn on the horn and basically Thomas lays out what's making him nervous at the office. Uh, there are concerns involving the My Campaign Group fiasco uh, the hiring of the daughter, um, and the fact that the fact that he was sort of feeling intimidated enough that he would fear retaliation from Kathy if she knew he'd contacted the DAG. All sound good, Rob? Yeah, and he and he he was even before they played the call, he was very clear, like, you know, I'm just trying to cover myself. I don't want to. I don't want a lot of retaliation. And he says on the call, he's like, you know, I kind of need this job right now. I'm looking for something else, um, but you know, it just seems a little weird some of the stuff that's that's going on. And he did, uh, as 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 Bill mentioned earlier in his uh, beautiful introduction, um, they he was asked where he was during this call, and he was uh, he was walking laps around the green. In Dover, which I, which I, picturing him like talking to an investigator while like just walking around um, the green was actually a, a pretty funny visual uh, for me. He's like, Shh, I'm in the Johnson Victrola Museum. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that that was the that was the morning, uh, and then we we had lunch, and and we kind of knew that um, that he was going to be in for it. That our that our man um, Stephen Wood Esquire uh, from McCarter and English was gonna uh, was gonna give this guy he was gonna run this guy through his paces and uh, we were not disappointed at all. So um, as we sit down for the afternoon, there's a very long sidebar, like a half hour. It was long, and 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 as as Bill alluded to, what they play uh, in the courtroom is this white noise static. So that the jury and the public can't hear the sidebar discussion, uh, so we're just sitting there in like really loud static for about twenty five minutes, which was a little bit a little bit weird. Um, so then we then we're starting the the afternoon, and Judge Carpenter turns to Mr. Van Horn and says, "You know, I just want to remind you um, that you're still under oath." Which again is a, a sort of a normal sort of 
uh, admonishment when somebody comes back that were that was there before a witness. But then he says, he, I, I have in my notes, he, he, his reminder was a very stern statement. And so he says, um, look, the court takes a very, very harsh view against lying. You do not want to lie to this judge in this court. Uh, he didn't say it exactly like that, but I think that was pretty close to what he said. And so everybody in the court... I'm not the kind of judge you want to mess with. Yeah, basically. I think he said almost something exactly like that. And so everybody in the court was like, well, here we go. And so, uh, of course, Wood immediately goes in on the, um, the relationship. And he says, you know, you didn't tell the prosecutors that, you know, you had this relationship... Uh, you didn't tell him, you know, what it was all about. He also very strangely, and we talked about this at lunch, he says that the, sort of the straw that broke the camel's back for him was this idea that he had to pay this $1,950 with the P-card, and he, he sort of knew it was a little bit squirrely, and, you know, Kathy's there watching him. But he doesn't mention that in the initial call. He mentions a bunch of sort of other stuff we talked about. But he doesn't mention that, and he doesn't mention the fact that he's having some sort of relationship uh, with Miss Rachel King. So then it comes down to this idea that, did you have sexual relations with Rachel King? And he says, no. And he was like, well, what does that mean? He was like, well, he says, well, what do you mean by sexual relations? And Steve Wood goes, you don't know, really? Do you want me to, fu- do you want me to define it? And then, of course, uh, Denny objects, and it's a that the court is is like, I told I told Bill I was like, well, the jury's not having a problem paying paying attention to this, and so there was this uh, there was a, a bunch of a big back and forth uh, with what like sexual relations was. He said he didn't have intercourse, uh, but they went to a couple of happy hours and made out. Um, so it's it's still sort of unclear. I mean. Wood is trying to get him like on sort of like that he perjured himself because he because he had this conversation with the grand jury, he had this conversation with the AG and all of this stuff, and and it was a little bit funny because again he he was very clear that he talked to Kathy before he pursued this relationship. This is when he said I I I, I said something like I was going to court her or whatever, and. And then he also said that there was a party at Kathy's house for his birthday, and she was invited especially for him, which, again, like, okay. I mean, that's – I have no problem with this. I mean, I think, you know, do whatever you want. I, I think it's cool. Um, but in any event, there was some, some question about it. Also, when he was asked to resign very abruptly, Kathy says, well, there's a rumor in the office that you're having sexual relations with – one of your subordinates, um, you're going to have to resign. He's like, well, what do you mean? Why Why are you saying that? Are you trying to defame me? And uh, she's like, no, there's this rumor. And, and, and he was like, well, I'm not doing that exactly. So it was sort of like a Bill Clinton, like what is the definition, what, the, what, what is the definition of is sort of situation. And, and everybody in the court was like, are we going to start having like a very technical discussion of like what he considers sexual relations and what intercourse is? Luckily, we did not, because uh, I just didn't. I, I mean, I know for everybody, like, after the fact, they would want to hear this stuff. I just, I didn't. Um, <laughs> uh, but then there was, there, was some other, um, there was some other material that Steve Wood uh, introduced, which was, he, he, he basically said he was never, because he, was an ad, he managed administrators and not auditors, he never really managed the work of Rachel King. But because the HR person, the HR lead, had left, he assumed the role of the HR lead. And so now he's like the HR lead, uh, the acting caretaker HR lead over all the auditors as well. And then Steve Wood produced a document or an email that basically uh, announced that Rachel King would get uh, uh, education reimbursement or education assistance, which... You know, just basically policy. If you if you qualify, you get you know you get your tuition reimbursed or whatever. But the email says, you know, I approve and the office approves of this. 
So it's like, did you, you, so basically officially you approved her education reimbursement or whatever. And yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, anybody in that position would kind of have to, I guess either. I mean, we've all, I mean, not, I shouldn't say we all, but I mean, I've worked at places where they've had that benefit and it's not like anybody, they approve it in the sense that they make sure you meet the criteria and then you just get it. And so like, I don't know whether that's, I don't know if the jury sort of what they think about that particular piece of evidence to try to um, impeach the, the the witness, but it got it got particularly heated, obviously between uh, Steve Wood and and Mr. Van Horn. Uh, what else you got, Bill, on Van Horn? And yeah, I'll just follow up on a couple things there. Um, yeah, Van Horn is is his credibility is being impeached here. I mean, the, the 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 salacious nature of the the inner office relationship is kind of, I mean, it's 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 not about the relationship itself or whether it's how you define sexual relations, because at the end of the day, you know, he may have lied under oath at a grand jury or not, and that's it doesn't really matter what he lied about. It doesn't really matter because I kept thinking that Steve Wood was going to knock him on some sort of you know, like HR relationship paperwork that he neglected to fill out. But like that, that wasn't ever going to happen because Kathy was basically uh, fostering this relationship. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I just, I noticed that, you know, he was, he was confident uh, in the morning right before lunch. And then he just kind of shrank throughout the afternoon. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's, I'm sure certain it's a draining experience but uh, but Mr. Wood definitely had him. I think right when the judge kind of read him, you know, read him the news that he really did not have the ability to lie, and then Steve getting on his case about lying. I think he just he he really zippered up after that. Yeah, I mean, when he finally stepped down, um, I turned to Lex and I was like. The, the the sense of relief inside this guy's chest must be just incredible that he's like done now. Um, yeah, the only other really in, uh, sort of uh, germane piece of testimony that he gave is this idea that one of the reasons that everything was sort of in chaos is they couldn't really keep people around that had the proper authority uh, and uh, to. To, to do a lot of these payment uh, processing. Um, there was a woman, uh, Shaquana Cousin, who was like the assistant to a person who left, and then Shaquana Cousin sort of just fucking faded out. They don't really explain what happened, but again, because people are working from home from COVID, like, I guess she was working from home, and then she wasn't working from home, and then she just resigned and didn't show up ever again. They don't really say exactly what happened, but that was weird. And they try to bring on a new a new person, Tracy Rogers, but there's like a gap of skill. Like we couldn't figure out if there was any overlap. It doesn't look like there was any. And there's this long gap of people who can actually like press the button to make this payment. And so they were trying to get to the bottom of sort of why there was this delay. Let's leave the Van Horn testimony kind of on that note. I mean, I think just, Rob, you sort of explaining the convoluted nature of just one segment of a year in the auditor's office is evidence enough that there is there is churn, there's turnover, there's periods of time where some roles are not filled. There are There are executive assistants becoming deputy auditors or chiefs of staff. Um, yeah, it just, it, Bad vibes coming out of that office. Yeah, I mean, there were, again, there were, like, there were executive assistants becoming chiefs of staff. There were there were Rehoboth realtors becoming, like, leads. There were, it was it was very strange. And, and again, I, I don't know, I, I don't, like, I, I understand the fact that it seems pretty clear Kathy was trying to go a different direction with the office, which in, in and of itself is not bad. Uh, but you really need to be a dynamic manager to be able to pull something like this off, uh, complicated. And really what she was trying to do was just get a bunch of cool people to look cool. To Bill's point, ultimately, to do sort of 
campaigning, not campaigning, like to 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 raise raise her um, her stature and raise her uh, sort of uh, visibility, uh, make her sort of like an influencer on social media, and she's giving out awards that people don't understand and stuff, and and so she didn't really care that maybe these people didn't have the right experience or or that she was scaring them and they were leaving and expertise was like a brain drain from the office all of the stuff so that was that was pretty that was pretty strange yeah i was glad that that thomas brought up or he was asked by danny i believe the question does the auditor do you have a feeling that the auditor campaigns sort of while on the clock something like that and he said that's the fine line you know it's really tough to judge um you know if Kathy and crew go to the state fair and hand out things like, I don't know, Frisbees, whatever, that says Kath- Kathleen McGinnis fight fraud. What, what is that doing there? That's, that's, uh, that feels like campaigning to me. Um, so I thought that was neat. And then he also expressed to the uh, DOJ when he was, was uh, participating in the investigation early that he was really concerned that the auditors were being forced to do these sort of weird audits um, that really weren't required by the code. So, um, and that's been long been a hobby horse of mine. Just where are these audits coming from? Yeah, and I think it's also, I've heard other people bring it up, like who's asking for this? Why are you doing this? And, and it came up yesterday in testimony as well. It's like, yeah, you want to do things that, that might be good to do. Uh, a lot of stuff that you know, Christy Gross is recommending that you do, um, that makes some sense that you do. Um, are you doing that to raise the visibility of the office that for your own political benefit? Maybe. Um, are you? But is it outside your statutory requirement of what you should do in the job? It sounds like it was. So you need to do some politicking and either convince people that it isn't outside or get some sort of opinion, official opinion or legislation or something that you can do it. But what she did was, well, we're just going to do not audits because that's a specific thing. We're going to do these special reviews or special examinations. And so that's how we're going to do it rather than just, you know, lay back and be like, look, we're going to politic and we're going to figure out how to convince people that we want to do something new. She didn't have the time for that or didn't have the skill for it or something. And so she just went kind of went rogue uh, with it. Um, but the question is, is, is as an elected official, is, is going rogue against the law? And again, I don't, I'm not sure. Well, going rogue wasn't good for business because I'm, I'm almost certain it was Thomas Van Horn who had kind of run the numbers. You know, he was telling, he was telling um, the DOJ in these phone interviews that, um, you know, he's worried that, that these we're, we're sort of doing these obscure audits. You know, the purpose, the constitutional uh, purpose of this office is to root out uh, state government fraud, waste and abuse so we can get money back uh, into our coffers. And he was like, we have two ongoing agreements right now that we're not going to be able to pay. Uh, and I think another witness yesterday had mentioned that she'd run the numbers and they had like something like after two months into the fiscal year, the auditor's office was going to run out of money. So, you know, um, again, getting creative with the audits, I think I love, I love the potential, but um, it's kind of like all they've really done is just like gone to a hotel and went to all the couch cushions to look for change underneath. Yeah. Yeah. So last, uh, last witness of the day, uh, I found to be a very sympathetic witness. Uh, her name is Kelsey Thomas. She uh, is in the Division of Accounting. Um, she does accounting work. Um, she was a very uh, soft-spoken woman. And the judge is also kind of soft-spoken. So when, when people come up and, and they do their, uh, they, sw- they swear in and, and, and take the oath, if they're soft-spoken, the judge always reminds them, hey, step up to the mic just to make sure everybody can hear you and the reporter can hear you. I'm also soft-spoken. And, um, and, and, and yeah, she gave her background, you know, she just, she has a high school degree and she has a certificate in accounting, but she has 
you know, a lot of experience. And she just works in the state in like administrative accounting function support. And she had worked at the Department of Agriculture. Um, she had worked in, I, I don't know if it was before or after she worked in the Department of State for the, for the corporate, uh, you know, we kind of laughed because, you know, we always make fun of that. She worked for that, you know, the Department of Corporations or whatever. Um, but she's completely apolitical. They even asked her, like, do you support the auditor? She's like, I don't, I don't even, I don't think I voted last time. I'm not political. I'm just like trying to go do my job. And, um, the big thing from her testimony is this. In, if I can find the date, I believe it was in the spring summer of 2020. So, I think it was a little later in the year, actually, because she left in July of 2020. So maybe it was um, early, early summer. She's going through uh, financial records for the for the auditor and she sees all she sees these um, these P card charges for Sirius satellite radio. And she just found it odd. And so she's looking and she's like, I don't know if I can reconcile these or I can process these. I'm I'm a little I'm I'm confused, and so she calls up the Divi- the division of accounting to get um to, to to get some advice on like how to handle these charges, and the division of accounting is like yeah you can't you can't charge that, like that's going to have to all be reimbursed. Um, there's really nothing you can do here, so she's like oh okay and she documents it, whatever, and then she goes to Kathy and explains that you know she made this call and it doesn't fit well, Kathy flies off the handle at her. Um, basically dresses her down, um, yells at her, she said. And as she's recounting this story of Kathy, like, yelling at her in the office, um, you know, her, her voice cracks a little bit. Um, she, has to, she has to sort of pause uh, to sort of gather her thoughts. She never, you know, she doesn't cry. She doesn't break down or anything. Um, but I think it was pretty clear that um, she was still like thinking, having to think back on getting sort of screamed at by Kathy. <clears throat> um, it it upset her. She was genuinely, sincerely, sort of upset. And, my, mar- uh, my margin note reads: "This poor woman." Is that what it says? Yeah, I mean, I was just like, and again, it it, it sort of struck me because one of the things that has bothered me throughout this is the idea that this woman treated the people these people uh so sh- so shitty like you were it was so transactional either you were like either you were like a sexy a beach girl and you were part of the team uh or you were somebody who was going to do you know the things she wanted or staff Kathy and 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 put glowing pictures on the internet or you or, or you know you're you're a piece of shit um, she also got a little bit emotional because um, Adrienne Bird, who testified a day or two ago, this was the woman who she told Kathy had her email up on the inbox. And so, you know, they asked her, like, how did you feel when you heard that? She was like, I, I, I don't know. I, she's like, I just, I, she, she said this, and I'm going to paraphrase, but... Bill, maybe you can check me. She's like, I don't, I couldn't figure out what I did to be monitored in, like that. That's what she said. Yeah, that's a really, yeah, just that vulnerability. Um, and she because, and and who knows? And she didn't do anything. It doesn't sound like right, right. But she's just in charge of like these payments and like where the money's going. So you know, Kathy needs to keep an eye on what the fuck she's doing. I guess. I guess so. She was a very sympathetic person, I thought. I, I found her very sympathetic. Yep, absolutely. Um, the fun detail of, of, of note for me was when, I guess, so there were the three Sirius XM radio subscriptions that were identified. Uh, Kathy McGinnis eventually did reimburse the state of Delaware for one of them, I believe. And the way that she did it was walking into a coworker's office and slammed down cash and coins on the desk. 
Yeah, it was pretty funny because I'll tell you, I'll tell uh, you, dear listeners, that she's explaining how Kathy paid this money back, and she's like, she just took cash and coins and slammed them on the table. <laughs> Immediately, Steve Wood goes, objection, <laughs> and so that was the end of that. <laughs> like they had a sidebar for about five minutes, and that was the end of that line of questioning. So yeah, but but it did get out that that that's how she did it, and and it was it was sort of like. Yeah, I mean, you're intimidating this woman who's just, like, trying to make sure that all your, like, that your books are, are reconciled and shit gets paid properly. And, uh, yeah, it was a little bit weird. It was a little bit weird. It was. Uh, so th- yeah, but so, anyway, it, it ended weird, but it started weird, too. This is just a fun detail. Uh, when um, when she went in for her initial job interview, it was a crew of Liz Vasilikos, the first witness of the day, Kathleen Davies, who oddly, I did confirm this via LinkedIn, did seem to work under Kathy for about two and a half months. So I wonder how that went, uh, since they were primary foes just, just months before. Uh, we had Spiros, the second Spiros sighting of the day, and Frank Spaka. Yeah, very, very um, sort of strange day. Uh, that's sort of where it ended. Uh, there was not time uh, for uh, Steve Wood's cross-examination. That will happen tomorrow morning. Um, there was some discussion at the end of the day that was very demoralizing um, to me because um, it, apparently the, the prosecution has many more witnesses to call. Uh, Mr. Denny, w- there's a half day of court tomorrow, 9 at noon. And Mr. Denny basically said he could be done by midday Monday, which to me means Tuesday. At the earliest. And of course Steve Wood said that he could do it in a day or a day and a half. But now he's going to call two, one or two more witnesses because of who the prosecution called. And so, yeah, I mean, we're in for the duration. Uh, we may not have a verdict by the 4th of July. I mean, we could. But it's we potentially, if we don't, I will not be surprised. I'll just say that. Um, the only thing that was helpful is, you know, the judge is very um, is very keen on, you know, understanding that the jury is just a bunch of regular people that don't want to fucking go there every day and hear this nonsense. Uh, so the one thing he did do, he's going to tell the jury tomorrow uh, what the what the you know that they're they're behind and you know it could go more than ten days or whatever they were told. Uh, but also, he told both counsel uh, that their closing arguments are going to be limited to 90 minutes. Uh, because uh, if they go, he, he knows if he doesn't limit them. Um, and let's be honest, even Steve Wood said, you're looking at me when you're saying this. Because, I mean, it, it would be him that went over. Um, but, yeah, so he's going to limit that. It sounds like the other, the other thing is, of course, there's going to be motions uh, when both. When, when both sides rest, uh, there's also, you know, going to be probably a, a, a fairly lengthy uh, jury instruction from, from Judge Carpenter. Uh, it sounds like it's going okay. Judge Carpenter has one of his clerks working on it, and it sounds like it's going all right, how he's going uh, to instruct the jury. Um, but that, that could last, you know, as long as a closing argument, I suspect. Um, so, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Look, folks, <laughs> I do appreciate uh, a lot of some random people have come up to us in the court uh, because obviously they hear our voices and they're like, you're the podcast guys. And um, they've uh, some people have have kicked in uh, to support our work. Uh, some people feel bad for for not doing it. Uh, for those people, you should feel bad uh, if you haven't kicked in yet. Five dollars a month will help us fucking crush this. Um, I, I don't think anybody's doing uh, any kind of work even close to this uh, right now about this trial. And, and you know, look, I'm not going to fucking go on and on about it. You know what to do. It's not complicated. Just fucking go on Patreon and sign up. Um, so let, let's just close today by a few funny things. Um, I'm just going to say my funniest moment today uh, as as we've n- noted before, uh, News Journal reporter Xerxes Wilson, my friend Lex, uh, has been 
I mean, I think it's pretty clear he's flirting with Team Kathy. He's flirting with Kathy's mom. He's flirting with Kathy's sister. And he's just being like, you know, doing what the stuff Lex does. And they're sharing snacks. They're talking about what their favorite treats are and all of this. Well, one thing Lex does is he's a big fan of the big red gum, the cinnamon gum. And he shared that with with Team Kathy. And when they came in to sit down today and they said hello to us because they sit right behind us, they said, oh, here's my man. Here's my boy. I call him Gum Boy. So, So Lex Wilson from the News Journal will heretofore be referred to on this podcast as Gum Boy. That was my favorite moment of the day. Port Gum Control. Yeah, my my favorite. This this one was a, was an odd one, uh, but it, it was sweet and strange at the same time. Uh, as as Rob and I have detailed before, we sit sort of in the pew in front of Team Kathy, uh, you know, relatives and well wishers, of which there's a, kind of a decent rotating cast. Uh, yes, and I'd like to know all of their stories someday. Uh, but today, uh, Sailor McGinnis' daughter uh, approaches her her dad, who's sitting down in the pew, and says. Steve, may you rise? And then she, he stood up and she kind of sidled past him to sit down. Uh, so yeah, sweet and strange, but um, that, was, that, was, you know, that was the highlight of the day for me. Comrades and friends, it was another very interesting, very telling day uh, at the Kent County Superior Court in Dover. We're going to keep doing this, uh, even though it's, it's starting to um, affect my mental health. And maybe my physical health. Um, but, you know, people seem to dig it. People are liking it. Carl's putting it up every day. We should we should really thank Carl. Thank you, Carl, for doing it. So, folks, once again, thank you. Uh, we'll have this out tomorrow. We may have another one out tomorrow if we feel like it. Bill, I'll see you tomorrow morning bright and early. Um, and we'll get down there and we'll do this all again. GN Robert, looking forward to that half day tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, left is best. Inside information, daytime last location, waiting.